Good evening, and welcome back to the Geeks at the Gates. We're going to get straight back this week into our discussion of the work of the late, great Sir Terry Pratchett, a man who I contend remains amongst the wisest, wittiest, and most humane writers in the English language. Um, I, I will stand and fight on that hill. I really, really will. If you listened last week, we had a bit of an intro into how each of the team discovered Pratchett, because although regular listeners will know me, and you'll know Hat, uh, because we've been on a lot of episodes of this show, you may not, unless you've been around for a very long time, have remembered Tina and Simon, who have been on the show before, but... Um, Oh, about three or four years ago. So, you know. Uh, so we had a bit of an introduction into uh, how we all found Pratchett and when. And I was kind of surprised at how late uh, Tina and Simon found his work. Um, Hat found his work when she was quite young, uh, about age 10. Uh, and I found his work when I was uh, 16 at, uh, in sixth form. That's partly because I'm a lot older than Hat. I really am. So, then Tina explained to us why she'd chosen to bring Pratchett's novel Nation for discussion. It's not from the Discord series that Pratchett is best known for. Um, it's a, a standalone novel set in a slightly alternative universe where Victorian England and the Victorian world is slightly different. And it tells the story of the friendship between Mao, the last survivor of an island nation that's been destroyed in a catastrophic event, and Daphne, the last survivor uh, on board a ship that was taking her to her father, who was a governor somewhere in the Caribbean, I think. And it's the story of how Mao rebuilds his nation and rediscovers the secrets of his culture and how Daphne learns how to look beyond her culture uh, and to become more tolerant. It's a story about colonialism and the consequences of that, about science and faith and religion, and we all agreed pretty much that not only should everybody read it, but it should be compulsory reading in schools. And that do you know what? I'm going to say right here, right now, if you are a school librarian or you work in a school and your school's library does not have a copy of Nation in it, the first half dozen or so schools who get in touch with me, uh, I will provide, I'm a, I'm a bookseller, I will provide a copy of Nation for your library because I think your kids should read it because I think it's brilliant, uh, both in terms of its philosophy and its outlook, but also in just the way it's written. It's a beautiful book. So uh, you need to be a bona fide member of staff. I don't want loads of people getting in touch and just sort of saying, I'll oh, go to a school. Um, but get in touch and we'll, we'll sort something out. Should be in schools. Really should. Um, so this week we have the rest of that discussion. Uh, you have my choice, you have Simon's choice, and you have Hat's choice. And... Um, I I found it really hard to choose. I really did. Uh, I own everything that Terry Pratchett has ever written. I have read everything that Terry Pratchett ever wrote. 
pretty much everything he ever published. I mean, I'm sure there's some shopping lists that pass me by. Um, I know that the rest of the team found it hard to choose as well. And if we were to record this podcast again, and we might, I don't think any of us would have any difficulty selecting an entirely different parade of books. Uh, the man was prolific. Uh, so, anyway, we finished. Just as we were segueing into Hat's Choice. So, um, pull up a chair, grab the beverage of your choice, and join us as we once more dive into some really good books. Since you've done that, Hat, <laughs> why don't we segue neatly into you telling us about your choice? Funnily enough, uh, okay, uh, I was going to say, funnily enough, it's another one that you don't have to read the others to actually read it. No, it's, it stands absolutely um, so And understand it. It does. There's characters from the other books in it, which is nice. The little nods, little Easter eggs for fans, but they're not necessary for you to understand the book. Um, and that book that I've chosen is uh, Monsters Regiment. And I love this book deeply. Um, uh, Monstrous Regiment was uh, printed uh, in 2003. Uh, so this is a new Pratchett, uh, comparatively, uh, as is Nation. Um, but I um, I remember buying it and being like, oh, this new Toe Ratchet out, amazing, I'll go buy it. And I went and bought it, and then I read it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Um and I, um, I was just absolutely blown away because for the first time in any book ever, uh, in the history of ever, I really felt like I saw myself in about 80% of the characters. I was <laughs> me like, too! Oh, look. oh my God, me too! It was great. I was like, wow. And I mean, I've loved Pratchett. Pratchett is one of those writers that writes women well because women are actually really easy to write if you recognise them as people. Uh, absolutely and Terry Pratchett has always does that I feel like from Granny Weatherwax I've always said I would love to be her when I'm old um but I probably you know she's like a thousand years old isn't she um you know I I, she's those three witches that formatively sort of shaped um my understanding of how he wrote women really um with respect and giving them power in ways that men don't have to have power and in various other ways was kind of it wasn't all I thought he could do because obviously I'd seen Susan and I'd seen um other characters through the through time and Monsters Regiment came along and it was a bunch of girls dressed as boys trying to do whatever they needed to do and I the the big the massive spoiler for Monsters Regiment is Polly thinks she's the only one and actually everybody in the entire regiment is a girl that's the huge spoiler she thinks that she's, all of them all of them in and and also most of the army um yes. it's just that that brilliant snowball effect and it, like i feel like he could have stopped with one or two and he just went nah let's do the whole lot and um i just love it because it's just this it constantly you're just waiting for the next one to pop up by, by a certain point you're like hang on how many of these people are actually just girls and an outfit and um, it's all the disc world species as well all of yeah, them all of them who, who have suffered the same problem of of that whole thing of you know don't try and do the things that boys do or if you do make sure you're funny 
make sure it's a bit of a joke because otherwise you'll be in trouble and it's that whole thing and like I don't know I I was always there with a hammer and nails as a kid and you know I was always there trying to kick a rugby ball or do whatever and I just feel like yeah in Polly and in in Maledict I definitely saw those that whole like yeah no that's that's a person I can understand um and that's rare for me in media honestly like it's I find it very rare um his character as are either very quickly turned around and made feminine or they're just passed off very quickly or they're the joke uh in anything in most media and in Monsters Regiment it was just doubled down and made like no these people are the heroes of this entire book and in fact of this entire war and everything um all the way all the way to the top and I loved it um I also loved the incredible and searing critique on the idea of idealizing or turning um, royal family members into these incredible, um, unreal creatures that you worship. I loved that. I loved that whole thing of just searing destruction of imperialism. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, it was glorious and fabulous. Um and they're just the different layers. Like all of these characters have one thing in common, but everything else about them is very, very different. But that one thing in common just brings them together in such a way that they are galvanized to deal with the situation um, ahead of them. And the men in it are either seriously awful or they're Sam Vimes from a distance, which is quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, a useless or brother. Largely irrelevant. Or a really sweet, sweet brother drawing birds in his his window, painting birds. Um, so yeah, and I, I really love that. So yeah. yeah, it's not so much the fact for me that he really got it because he really got it. He did really get it, but he got all of the little things as well, the micro <laughs> experiences, and and I know Lynn reviewed all his novels, but I can't help wondering how much input Rihanna had into that as well. Yeah, interesting. Because they must have gone through it and said, well, actually, that might not be a general reaction or, you know, this happens or that happens. And because the level, the depth that he got it at, mm. I don't recall seeing for any other male writer. It really is incredible. Um, and... I mean, just like, obviously, you've got that I like a girl with spirit moment, which is just such an absolute rip on everything that's ever written ever before. Yeah. Um, I love that moment. And it's just like, yeah, we really all wanted that to happen. <laughs> we really Completely, did. Yeah. And and the the brilliance of the the idea that like, oh, young men, you're going to have to dress as girls to do this. And they're all like, um, actually, uh, <laughs> It's just like so many, it's the most gender bending, glorious situation I've ever witnessed in, in novel form. And I just yeah. love it. I love it for that. Um, and I also love it for the. He doesn't believe them. He doesn't believe them. And he, you know, he's there with balloons up his dress. And the fact that, yeah, the, the guards don't believe them. And one of them no. flashes flashes the downtown and suddenly they're like, oh, whoops. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Um, there's so many moments in it that just. <laughs> You don't necessarily expect them, and then of course, of course, that's what happened. Yeah, um, it's I love it. I uh, it's and, ridiculous it, and real. And, yeah, because yeah. the stupidity and the 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 weirdness 
of so many moments in it you're like yeah I can see that and of course he like weaves in that bizarre sort of um bloodlust coffee Vietnam flashbacks uh moment uh which is oh what's the film that that references because that's gone out of my brain Platoon, thank, yeah. thank you yeah so and Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is the one I was thinking of, yeah. Um, you know, and this, this, so there's still those little brilliant Pratchett-y reference, references in there where he sort of pulls from other media um, as well as from sort of politics and everything yeah. else that he's trying to, trying to do and the idea of these two stupid warring nations that are fighting over nothing for no good reason again yeah. like they do every year every time the river moves it's just like yeah <laughs> it's it's brilliant the futility who's of got war. the biggest car it, well yeah it's yeah. it's it's the and the fact that then they all realize then everyone comes together and realizes oh wow we've been fighting this man's war and none of us actually are oh. men and oh wait actually some of us are just just as bad as because there's that wonderful attitude of like oh yes. well you know if women around the world it'll all be better um and then the reality is that actually you know they've still got to deal with this situation because the geopolitics don't just go away just because yeah. no one no one's got a dangly bit so yeah it's it's an interesting one for sure and it's that humanity again um and it's a really complex book when you break it down like it is how many things he's trying to get you to think about at once um it's and i love it and i think i do think it's a really great entry point to disc world if you're wanting to get into disc world and you don't want to get into it through color of magic because that's very crunchy these days like we've said earlier in the podcast you know it's quite yeah quite a crunchy way in even if you are like yeah let's start at the beginning it's like mm, don't start that no don't don't <laughs> yeah. don't start yeah. at the beginning go back to the don't beginning, the beginning. You, once you already you... love it it's like doctor who in that respect yeah absolutely start with, mort. start with mort go a bit forward and then go back when you want to yeah totally yeah, um, Mort's, yeah Mort's I a love Mort's yeah it is definitely. i think i i i honestly genuinely as as a, a cisgendered straight middle-aged white man i hesitate <laughs> to comment on monstrous regiment Except that it was written by a cisgendered straight white man. And I'm really glad it was because it suggests that people like me don't have to be complete arses all the time. <laughs> because so many, you see, I, I don't feel qualified to say, as you two just have, that he gets it. Because how the hell would he does. I know? But I'm very, yeah, yeah. I'm very, very pleased to hear that he gets it because I've all, uh, this is, this is going to make me sound like a tosser trying to sound woke. So I apologize in advance. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, there are many, will be the judge of that. There are many people who will tell you that I am just a tosser trying to sound woke, but I, <laughs> I've, I've, never understood the reason why things were gendered yeah um, neither have i none of you <laughs> none of you have met my sister but if if you had you would know that she's a good deal more masculine than i am and i honestly mean that in the the most respectful way possible my sister is uh, a primary school teacher 
She is a girl guide leader. She is a Queen's Scout. She was in the Territorial Army for many years. She's been a member of a mountain rescue team. Um, Her degree, God help us, is in outdoor education. She's she's Bear Grylls, my sister. Yeah, I was going to say... If Bear Grylls was short, wow. if Bear Grylls short and extremely fat, he'd be my sister. But well, and female, that would be. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this. There's wow. no way. There's no way my sister's listening to this. And actually, to be honest, I don't think she'd disagree with me. Except, Good. I think she prefers to be Ray Mears, which is sensible. That is true because yeah. um, everybody I know that's in outdoor stuff always says Ray Mears is legit. Bear Grylls is a tosser. Fair. So. <laughs> Yeah, you might want to amend your reference there, Reggie. Yeah, no, she's she's yeah. lame ears. No, I, I I'm reminded at this point this is irrelevant, but it's my podcast, so sorry. I'm saying <laughs> there's a wonderful no, meme. No. There's a wonderful meme. It's got a picture of Claire Grills, um, squeezing the water out of elephant dung, and underneath it is a picture of Ray Mears, um, cooking a salmon over on a stick over a fire, and on the top it says, squeezing the water out of elephant dung. Underneath it says, flame grilled, spal- flame grilled salmon with tarragon. Always trust a fat survivalist. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. Yep, true. Um, my, old, my old and my sister's old scout leader um, always said, if you're roughing it, you're doing it wrong. And, yeah, there's that. I think what I'm saying, basically, is that. I've never understood whether why there were some things that were boy things and some things that were girl things. I played with dolls as a boy. Unashamedly and unironically, as my sister played with dolls. Also, I shot things with arrows, only targets, never live things, uh, as did my sister. And we were both in the Scout Association. My sister never joined the guides until she was a grown up. Um, it. You know, and we both did the camping and we both did the, the climbing the trees and it just and throughout my life most of my friends Reggie. Been, yes. Reggie. Yeah. Can I stop you there? Yeah. <clears throat> I I know what you're getting at, but you're starting to go on. I'm a rambling. And um the fundamental oh my difference God, Tina, is you become Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but, shit. Okay, um Steve in disguise. I get what you're saying, but the fundamental difference is... I don't worry, I'm going to edit most of that out, don't worry. You didn't see gender, but you didn't experience it in the same way that your sister did. Absolutely fair. Completely fair point, yeah. And yeah. that, what that in, essentially, that for me is what Terry Pratchett got. Yeah. He understood how your sister experienced it. Absolutely. And I think you probably do as well. I reckon you do as well. I'm fairly sure you do as well, Reggie. Mm. In fact, I'm damn sure you get it as well. So, but that's why I think this book is also a little bit of a gateway into truly intersectional feminism without stating that it is. And maybe we shouldn't state that it is because it might scare people off. I think that's quite good, <laughs> to be honest. But really, also... there's a lot in there that that really is. Is that sorry, sorry. some aspects of toxic masculinity? Absolutely. Mm. (laughs) Through women enacting this toxic masculinity. It's not, it's masculinity has been given a gender 
But the traits don't necessarily stick to the genders. Yeah. I had a much better way of putting that earlier. Don't worry. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> well, you just did it no, better than I did, I think the... so I'd go with that if I were you. <laughs> I think one of the really big things is you've got someone who's really obviously a, a toxic, a, a caricature of toxic masculinity and shappy early on, haven't you? And this guy is just yeah. like determined to out them all and make their lives a misery and just be a general. <laughs> and then you've got someone. Uh, he never got as high as general. <laughs> you've got, yeah, you've got like, you know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you've got. I'm trying to find names because we all know I'm shit at names. Oh, God. Come on, brain. Blouses. Lieutenant Blouse is shit in that wonderful way that all uh, posh lieutenants are, you know, just like kind of useless. and <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Upper class, chinless. Absolutely. Wonders. That's it, isn't it? Just those, those people. And the sergeant, whose name escapes me. Jackram. Jackram, who is is toxically masculine in, in various mm-hmm. ways. Yep. And uh, I think that's the interesting, one of the most interesting things is that one's left so long for you to figure out. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, actually, you're one of the worst of them, really. In Even some at ways. the end of the book, it's still a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's brilliant. It's just, uh, yeah, and I loved it. Um I loved that being the surprise at the end of the book. I really did. And then a more so going, going back. But yeah, no, that that the, the point that you were sort of labouring there, Reggie, um is is that you <laughs> know like you, your, No, your sister that. your sister experienced the did the same things as you, right? Okay. Um just to really lay it out in very, very simple and obvious terms. She did the same things as you, but the reaction to her doing those things from other people versus other people's reaction to you doing those things will have been felt. Like, it, you feel it when people look at you and they're like, you're in the wrong place. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. It, it's not that you can't do those things. It's that you shouldn't. Oh, and that's yeah. something that is very, very clear in Monsters Regiment. You know, that is something very, very well put in by Terry Pratchett. He knows that these people feel like everything that they are doing, whatever reason they're doing it for, is something that they've been told they shouldn't be doing. Mm. Um, And that's that's a visceral internal slight. It's something that you feel inside yourself when someone's like, well, you should be doing that, you're a girl. And it's like, it, it makes me feel very aggressively angry. Uh, oh my and, god, I'm so with you. And and I feel like that's something that he gets and he puts yes. it he gives it a character. He gives it a, he gives it a, a single person for that rage to live within. Um as well, you know. And I think that's that's really something brilliant that he does within it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. That's one thing that I, I I he really really understands it and that's something that's worth knowing going into the book. I think so, yes. Agreed. Ooh, do you want to oh, do, do, do Simon's book now? Reggie's still, still there. For a second. Simon, save us. Save you from what? From us? <laughs> from, from dead air, Simon. <laughs> from dead air. Okay. You're editing it. What are you talking about? Um, all right. So, I mean, this, what a ridiculous question. I'm sorry, Reg, Reggie, but it is a silly question. Sorry, Tina's just moving the crisps. <laughs> um, 
Pick your favourite Pratchett book. <laughs> did I oh, say favourite? I'm not sure I said favourite. You did. You did? Did I? That's what I was told. Pick your favourite Pratchett book. Oh, you didn't say that to me. <laughs> really? I mean, if, I, if, if, if I'd been... If I'd known what it was, pick one that, that you would recommend to people. Yeah. I think I'd probably still go with the same one, actually. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It's it's the... For me, it is the culmination of the story of Vimes. I know Vimes gets two more with with Thud, and I will freely admit that when I got towards the end of Thud, I was already bawling my eyes out by 6pm. <laughs> And for those that have read it, you know why. <laughs> but yes. um, for me, Nightwatch was the true culmination of everything Vimes had been working towards when he first climbed out of the gutter after meeting Kara. Yes. I know yeah. that makes it sounds like you have to have read all the others prior to it. And it is one of those that, that it really sh- you should have done. But it's it, there's just something about the idea of being able to go back and see your world, see the world you lived in through the eyes you've got now. It's <laughs> maybe it's the historian in me, but it's because it's it's got that the classic trope of do you tell your younger self? What would you do if you'd met your younger self? And we all know that we would say you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't have done had that night out because losing seven years of your life in prison isn't a good idea. <laughs> but he he manages to to say you can't do that because that would change you, and you need to be you to be able to go back. Yeah. And it's it's a very clever personal story about how you you, you who you become who, how how you become who you are. Uh, yes. I think I'm not explaining this properly. No, no, no you are. You <laughs> are. It's funny, beautifully. No, we're and, and, but at the same time, you've got the 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 cityscape in which it's taking place, and the politics. And the, the, I love the People's Republic of Treacle Mine Road. I will always <laughs> be. Uh, in fact, we actually own property in Treacle Mine Road. So Amazing. I'll always be a, a member of the People's Republic. Red we Shoe. have a lot of things like that in this house. <laughs> Reg Shoe. I, I loved him in uh, Reaper Man. And I love him in Nightwatch. The, yeah. The, 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 the two... Oh, he's such a perfect character. The the the, the radical who's a, a sell all by himself. Yes, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful idea, and and little things, the little things, the hard boiled egg, the 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 slap he gets from your Mrs. Palm, and she slaps him, and it's like, yeah, no, she's not that old, mate, <laughs> but yeah. And and the idea of who's actually in control of a city, who's more important to a city, the 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 hangers on at the top who are sucking all the money out of it, or the people who are cleaning the streets and bringing in the produce and and producing the the, the 
the nails to, to put up shops and and the guys oddly, doing the thatching. Oddly topical, that one. Yeah. It? yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> and it's yeah. He seems always relevant. That's, yeah. that's the thing. And, and Vimes has, for me, Vimes has always been a true everyman. It's everybody mm. knows the, the Vimes the Vimes theory of economics. Yes. The theory of economics. Yeah, he's actually a meme. So, yeah. Yeah, he's he's quoted in QI. On QI, it's it's because of that, because of the fact that he can he the creator, as I call him, could see the minutiae of life and see how the minutiae of life is more important in the overall experience of life than the big stuff, really. It's it's am my boots gonna last to the end of the month, or am I gonna have to start looking for cardboard? <laughs> it's it's a it's a weird it's a very very we've said it a lot a very human way of observing humanity yes yeah. accepting all of the foibles and just saying we need that that's that's the brownian motion of being human and he, he actually touches on it on more than one occasion that, that you need other humans around you to 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 keep you human, and this book explores what happens if you're a human out of your own understanding of events. Because obviously he'd lived through. Do you want a strange show? Yeah, Vimes had lived through the uh, the original uprising, and now he's seeing it from. A completely different perspective. So, I just think it's a wonderful. I, I it agree. Is. It's brilliant. Um, I, yeah. I think one of the things that that I really loved about it, and whether well, there are two things that particularly um, resonate with me, and that I think are important to note in these times. Um, the first is. When they build the barricades and the army is sent in to take the barricades down and the soldiers can't do it because their grandmothers are sitting on top of the barricade shouting at them <laughs> and yeah. telling them, essentially telling them not to be so naughty. And yeah. it, it's, it, it's one of the, it's so easy when you, see the news from <coughs> places where things like that are happening to just yeah. sort of see it as a thing that's happening on the news and what what that approach to it is it no no all of those people trying to take down the barricade they're all somebody's kid they've all got a grandma yeah. they've all they've all got a mum and dad they they're all people and all the people behind the barricade they're all somebody's yeah. Mother, father, husband, grandparent, child, and actually none of the people on either side of the barricade have got any quarrel with each other whatsoever. They just happen to exactly. find themselves on the wrong side of the barricade. Um, Except the cavalry, they were a bunch. Well, yes, yeah. yeah never, <laughs> never, also, never trust the cavalry, and yeah, and some really, some really all. strong root ginger is always handy. Always, always. handy. Always, but it, it was it was it's when the cavalry arrive at the barricades and Reg is there singing the Ankh Morpork national anthem, waving a flag. 
and they question his patriotism. <laughs> <laughs> but haven't it's like haven't no. we actually just seen that in the last fortnight? Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's this thing of of um only for only Johnny Foreigner has to, to wave his flag. We know we're the best. But but that's what you tell us to do is to wave the flag. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah, it's the strange dichotomy of 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 and the the it's a classic example of um what do you call it? Uh you can think two thoughts at the same time and they're both equally valid, as far as you're concerned. Dichotomy. Is that you're it? Right, yeah, it is a dichotomy. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You have ambivalence. <laughs> yeah. What, what I find re- I, really interesting as well is the way he takes Les Mis and then, like, smushes it into the um, the actual uh, battle of... It, it's Cable Street in London, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he took those two things and he just smushed them together and threw them into the middle of this, and uh, it's just, you know, I love it so much that he did that. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to take this concept, I'm going to have a bit of that, I'm going to have a bit of this concept, and I'm just going to roll them in a ball and make them into this, and also throw all this stuff at it as well. And it's that classic, classic Terry thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Of just like real because it's rooted in our history. Yeah, stories that we know. Absolutely. And it, it touches it touches people's brains in places that makes them go, oh, I remember that from yeah. somewhere. And it kind of weirdly connects you to the text again in a way that you aren't expecting. And I think that's a really one of his great talents was getting people to connect with something that is fundamentally the zombies. There's golems, there's trolls, there's all these creatures and these mythical, wild, magical beasts that don't exist in the real world. And he could make you connect with that by putting these little, peppering these little moments of, of stuff from our world, from our reality into it. And that, I think, is one of his great gifts, especially in Nightwatch. And, and the cover of it being the actual painting, but with, with, a, uh, with the characters from the book as well. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's an amazing piece of work. And, and as you say, one of the ones that you don't have to have read everything i think possibly you'll enjoy it more if you already know and love vimes but if you don't yeah, if definitely. you don't oh, yeah. already know and love vimes you can still recognize him for who he is yes you will by the end of it yeah, yeah. totally by the end of it you will have it is one of those where you do fall in love with vimes again if you do know him you fall in love with him again but if you don't know him you will fall in love with him by the end of it yeah absolutely yes. and you, so you read backwards yeah <laughs> Freedom, yeah, justice, and a, a, a hard-boiled egg. Yeah. Freedom, justice, reasonably priced love. Reasonably priced Reason love. Price love and a hard-boiled yeah. egg. Yeah. I have the tea towel. It's printed in lilac. It's the glorious 28th of May. Glorious 25th. Glorious, yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, I really liked the use of, of veterinary in this as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Young you see yeah. him at the beginning and he's wearing the lilac. Yes. Yeah. And nobody questions it. And we see later on that somebody who shouldn't be wearing the lilac turns up wearing the lilac because they think it's something that they ought to be doing because everybody else is doing it. And yeah. they're slapped down pretty hard for mm. wearing this thing they haven't earned. And we don't yeah. really find out 
why Vetinari gets to wear it until right at the end. And he's, yeah. and he's, you know, and he's properly swashbuckling, like the proper assassin that he is. And he's got the lilac in his teeth. <laughs> and, you know, and that's Vetinari before he was Vetinari. And it's, we're so used to Vetinari the patrician. I just thought it was fascinating to see a version of Vetinari before he was that. Yeah. And it makes you question your assumptions about his motives throughout the rest of the series. Yes, he was a revolutionary yeah. for what, God's what sake. What was actually his intent? Yeah. yeah. How far forward is he really looking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's when you I, compare that to, like, looking at Nobbs and Colon and, like, yeah, no, they didn't change. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> different effects on different people. Yeah. Uh, but don't we all know a Sergeant Colon? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, definitely. But... Uh, there were some interesting new characters introduced as well. I, I I particularly like the Doctor. Just every time he opens the door, he's got a, a bigger and bigger syringe. It's just yeah. <laughs> you, you can see that um, if it was going to be put on screen, contrary to what everybody thinks, it would not be Marty Feldman playing Igor. He would actually be playing <laughs> the, the Doctor Law. Yeah, because you, you you can see that as as Hat said, because of the, the the references to our culture, you can automatically see Marty Feldman whenever an Igor is mentioned. <laughs> so it pulls you straight into a movie that you like, and then you go, "Oh, if he if he likes that movie, what else is going to be hidden in here?" So you go looking for them as well. You also look for all the references. Yeah, it's it's a he, very clever thing to do because you never lose. You reading a Pratchett book is never time wasted. No, because you're always going to find something new. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Reggie, you haven't done yours yet. I was going to say, with that, I guess I'll move on to mine. Um, Jesus, who is this even? Can I have his job? (laughs) (laughs) You're always welcome, Tina. Um, (laughs) Steve, basically, Steve, Steve. When he's on the ca- on the podcast, Steve is the guy that stops me going off on one. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> he's he's my brakes. Obviously needed. Very much so. <laughs> um, I've gone... Sometimes I do it, but less so. <laughs> you're, you're far too tolerant of you, Hat. You really are. About your topic. <laughs> um, but now I'm going to drag us back to topic. So I'm Steve. Um, Yay! I've gone for the earliest of the novels that we've talked about tonight. Um, from he says, and you know what? I looked this up before we started, and I've forgotten. From 1991, although I would have read the paperback edition wow. in 1932. Um, I've gone for Reaper Man, which Ooh. is oh, good choice. It's the second of the Death books. I would have gone for Mort, which is the first. Um, and more is the book that got me into Pratchett. But I think Reaper Man is just a little bit more refined. It, the, if you read the Discworld series from the beginning, you know that yeah. it wasn't the Discworld series when it started. And the ideas get refined no. and they sort of sort of yes. coalesce into what the Discworld became. And I think by the time you get to Reaper Man, 
I think it's pretty much there. And yeah. death is my very, very favourite Pratchett character. Because he yes. is absolutely the death of the Middle Ages woodcut. He's a six-foot skeleton in a big black robe with a scythe, and he will come and take your mortal soul away at the moment of your death. That's what he does. He's also the most human character on the disc. He's utterly bewildered by humans and people, because that's not the same thing, because obviously dwarves and trolls and things are people too. Yeah. 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 Um, he intellectually understands it, but he doesn't feel it. And Mort is a book about how death takes an apprentice and tries to understand what it is to be human. Reaper Man is about what happens when he hasn't got any choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's mm. for those that haven't read it. First of all, go and read it. But also, it what happens with with Reaper Man is. The powers that be, the auditors, the, the, the creatures in charge of reality decide that death has developed a personality and that that can't be allowed to stand. So they force <laughs> him to retire and become mortal. And so he goes to the disc and adopts the identity of Bill Dore. <laughs> Just to, because that's how imaginative he is. He's literally... <laughs> He knocks on the door of the first Only because the name Sky sounded real. And the, the, the nice old lady who owns the farm asks him his name, and he can't think of one. And he says, well, you must be like a, a Dave or a Bill or any Oh, Bill. And she asks him his last name, and he looks up and says, Sky? He said, no one's called Sky. And so he looks and sees the next thing. <laughs> well, I knew a bloke called Dawes once. So, all right, Bill Dawes, that's fine. And... He tries to become just an everyman, just a regular guy, while he lives out the rest of his mortal life. And people see him as a person as well. They see him. They and don't see him as a skeleton. That's so wonderful. And it's the yeah. first night when he goes to the pub and they teach him to and play a girl. game with where you knock balls into a, into across a table into little nets with a stick. It's called Pond. <laughs> and he, he starts out by being really, really good at it because he can't help but be really good at it. And then he realizes that people don't like it when he's really good at it. So he becomes very perfectly not good at it. <laughs> and he realizes that people love it when he does that. So he keeps doing it. And then they try and teach him darts. And again, he knows he could hit the bullseye every time, but he understands that people won't. So he throws his darts with such precision that they ricochet around the room and land in people's pint glasses. And, <laughs> and I mean, that's it's such a wonderful comedy scene, but it's also, isn't that what people do when they're trying to fit in? Yeah. They, they yeah. try and do the things that make everybody else laugh. Mm. Yeah. And it's just this wonderful human moment. And then, There's the whole thing that because death isn't doing the whole reaping the dead anymore, that has terrible repercussions on the disc because there's too much, the life of the people that die can't go anywhere. So just everything is becoming alive. 
And that's a huge problem. And that's such a nice, gentle way of saying, yeah, you, do you know what? Death's really important. Things have to end. Yeah. So that other things can start. Mm. And if things don't end, then that's actually really bad. And you have the wonderful Mm. character Wendell Pools, the the 130-year-old wizard, who is supposed to die. Um, But death's not there anymore, so he doesn't die. And so he comes back, but he's dead, so he comes back as a zombie and he's really cross because it turns out there is an afterlife and it's the same life he had before and he's, yeah. just, <laughs> and he's just really cross about it because for most of his life he's been an old man and that doesn't seem fair and and then you get the dawn of the dead sequence which yeah. is yes. where except for it's the zombies are trying to save the town from the mall rather than the other, around. The other way around just... yeah and the, the, the idea again the... it's just a terry pratchett touchstones again just yeah. getting it it, it, yeah. yeah, it's just it also has it also has for me one of the greatest things in any of his books with the call of the vampire. Cooey, Mr. Poons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you see, I, I also think it has one of the greatest lines in the whole of the disc, which is ultimately why I picked this one. But it wasn't that, although I do agree that is a good one. But that my 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 favorite what my favorite line because it just sums up so much, is you've got the new death, who is going to be the replacement yeah. for death, who wears a crown. The one with the crown. And will be a, yeah. and will therefore be a problem. Death never wore a crown. And we, uh, by the, towards the end of the novel, we know that death is going to have to fight new death. And he's going to have to win, because otherwise new death will become death and that will be bad and he's supposed and you also to be- get that beautiful you get that beautiful contrast between a hand reaping and a combine harvester as well there's that industrial yes. versus um yeah. traditional commentary running alongside all of that as well yeah what yeah what happens if you mechanize this because mm. um, that won't be good and and so you've got that you got the stakes are that high uh, but Bill Dor is kind of mortal, and so he's supposed to be resting up for this big fight. But he's been getting in the old lady's harvest because he's quite good with the scythe, apparently. Um, <laughs> and it's going to rain, and if the harvest get that he's cut gets wet before it's gathered in, that'll destroy it. And yeah. When he's told this, they're supposed to be resting up and being really like preparing for this great battle. And then he realizes what's going to happen. And he's like, what? My harvest? Well, bugger that. And he drops everything (laughs) and goes to get in the harvest. And the the punchline basically is, what can the harvest expect if not the care of the Reaper Man? Yeah. And... It's like, yeah, do you know what? You you have a right to expect that people will care. Yes. It's important that they do. And it's important that you do. And it doesn't matter how important the thing you think you've got to do is. You've still got to care about everything else. And 
I think yeah. I probably said earlier, it was a long time ago now, but I think I probably said earlier, I came <laughs> for the funny and I stayed for the politics. Yeah. And I think that for me is one of the grounding things in the, that, that I took from Pratchett and made part of, well, didn't make it. That sounds, this is going to sound pretentious now, but I'm so far in, I might as well. Um, (laughs) you took it to heart, darling. (laughs) Yeah. Do you you know what? I am the person that I am philosophically. I think things I do in the way I think them in very large part because these books. Oh, I, I completely understand that. And, and, yeah, same. and I yeah. think Reaper Man is where I date that to. I think Reaper Man is where I started to think, oh, oh, this is quite deep. And I, I kind of agree with this. This makes more sense than the other things I'm being told. Yeah. And it, it really, for me, it really is quite profound that this series of novels, it's not just this one. There's something in all of them. I mean, all of the books we've talked about tonight, Monstrous Regiment, Nathan, Reaper Man, uh, Night Watch, they, they've all got in them this same fury at injustice yeah. and prejudice. The quiet fury of a just man. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is. It, I remember when Terry Pratchett died, Neil Gaiman told a story, uh, which I won't retell because you can probably find it if you Google it. Um, about a time when they were supposed to be going for an interview at a radio station and they messed it up and they were really late and Terry was furious with himself and Neil Gaiman was just sort of kind of trying to calm him down and sort of saying you know, yeah, it's not that important and Terry Pratchett's response was don't underestimate this anger this is the anger that yeah. wrote the book and yeah underneath it's easy to look at terry pratchett and think of him as a comedian and he just isn't he was a i think it's i think reading things like jingo and um reading things like the truth and reading things like you know some of the later well mid to later ones you can really see that there's that sort of simmering rage at this just the constant stupidity of the world yeah, and um, satire. He got and it, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it just it really comes through. Raising steam is another one where it just it pushes through. And a, a lot of the Vimes stuff, it really does. Um, uh, the Fifth Elephant. You know, there's just so much um, of these. Just this, this, this. Why are you like this? <laughs> That's almost the way. Why are you like this at the world? Yeah. But but through the books. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. there. No, I I think. I think there's a lot of Pratchett in Vimes. Oh, yeah. I think there is. And Vimes is, Vimes is in just constant anger at everything, I think. He's <laughs> yeah. very I mean, much But he, he also, he's a guy that, that he may be veterinary terrier, 
who gets there in the end, but he also sees straight to the heart of problems. So mm. Like, as you said, in Jingo, it's a war. No, it's not. It's a crime. It's it's just a murder on a bigger scale. I'm going to find out who's going to do it, and I'm going to stop them. And it, it, yeah, that's the heart of the problem. You, you don't you don't faff about with all the the regiments and things. You just find the problem and stop it. Uh, and yeah, it Vines is 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 that constant rage against the fact that he can't until he yeah. can, mm. and yeah. then he he finds something else to rage about. <laughs> yeah. Just, then it's then it then it's the the troll problem or the dwarf problem or the the golem problem, or the other troll problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or the trolls and dwarf problem. <laughs> and then there's the the Muntab question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's just some, now. I know we we could, and I know we could talk about this for many many hours more. Mm, yes. yes quite easily <laughs> we have been talking about it for nearly two and a half hours now um we haven't even touched on going postal i mean um, i know there's so many i think or dodger oh, yeah dodger. Um, and just yeah well, and the whole of tiffany aching which i know lynn would have talked about if she'd been here i mean my god the johnny series for kids and yeah. Trucker's Actually, Legion. fantastic. I gave all yeah, of my... Yeah, Bromeliad. Bromeliad trilogy, yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I think, that's probably... I, I think what I'm basically saying... experiences of practice. I think what I'm basically saying, we're going to have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if, I, if you've ever stuck for a topic... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I would just like to state that if we're doing it again... I would pick Thief of Time for next time because that was it was oh. it was between the two Monster Regiment or Thief of Time. Which do I pick? Which do I pick? You can consider oh. that I, I picked monstrous. Yeah, Bagsy that for next time. I'd like to do Shepherd's Crown, but I won't. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> you have to pick one of the Tiffany's. I'll pick one of the other Tiffany's, but for oh. obvious reasons, I'm not going to do Shepherd's Crown. Thank it's you. It's always going to be too soon for some people. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I don't I, want. I don't want people not to have that experience. That would be awful. No. The Wintersmith, though, my God, it's a, oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, in that case, oh. could, is is there any chance of of tossing in about the music that has been inspired by the books? Because the Wintersmith album is absolutely beautiful. It's stunning, absolutely I, gorgeous. I haven't heard that. I have not either, it. and I will go away and listen to that. Steely Dan? It's Steely Dan. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. If it's not your your kind of music, it will be folk folk rock. No. But it is it's my dad listens to Steely Dan. There you go. It's spot on for for Pratchett. Yeah, they got they got the book right. They got the book absolutely right. Wow. In 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 an album. How do you do that? Highly recommend it. Weird magics. Um, again, yeah. I'm going to get thinking of my next book then. That just sort of goes to show how Pratchett inspires so many people to do so many different things. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how he's, he's the industry around it. I mean, I've, as I've already said, I have, we own property in Port. <laughs> I, I have a, 
I have a passport too. He's a graduate of the Assassin's Guild. Amazing. Yeah, I, I graduated from Scorpion House and I've also got <laughs> a Master's in Creative Uncertainty from the uh, Unseen University. Phenomenal. <laughs> He's very easy to shop for. <laughs> okay, I think I'm going to get us to wrap it up there. But I think also yeah. we, we must we must come back to this because yes, I think in the nearly two and a half hours we've been talking, I think the the thing we've demonstrated the most is just how big Pratchett's world worlds because there's more than one of them. I don't call him I don't call him the creator lightly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. Because he I is. Do. Yeah, he is. He's he, he's created more than just a series of fantastical worlds. He's created a way of thought. He's actually created a philosophy, I think. And a lot of Pratchetteers, Discworlders have caught it. That the the, the, the the humanity of his writing has, absolutely has come through in everything he wrote and it's mm. it touches people and it's, yeah. it's that that has brought the community together around it that's why it's it's been so influential on other people with the plays and the and the potteries and the 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 trinkets and movies yeah and it's why there's a treatment so, mine road in Wincanton. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is also a uh, a tabletop RPG similar to D anD D, but a Discworld based one. It does exist. That is a thing oh, wow. you can. Yeah, that's a thing you can play. You can go and be in the world. I have to find that in a D anD D ish way. Yeah, in a TTRPG way, which is great. It's something that I definitely uh, need I, to find. Yeah, well. I, I, I'm, I'm never going to see Simon again now. <laughs> I have to admit, my favorite board game of all time is um, the Discworld board game. Aren't more pop this world ball game. We've also got Thud, which is wow. I I always I did when I was at uh, at uni doing art. I thought about making my own Thud set, but I never got around to it, and I, I might have to revisit that. It's a good idea. Everybody should have a Thud set. Causes yeah. many arguments. Yes, <laughs> but point. we all need to be able to think like our inner troll or inner dwarf. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Reggie, we're never going to stop. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to just shut us off. I think for that reason, I think I think I will I will draw this to a close. Uh, thank you all so much for coming. Um, I I really do appreciate it, Tina and Simon. Uh, it's nice to have you back on the podcast. It's been what four years? God, it's not. No, it might be. It has not. It might be. Do you know what it is? Do you know what I said to Liz earlier? The last I'm doing this podcast tonight, this Terry Pratchett podcast, because last time, four years ago, when Reggie did a Terry Pratchett podcast, uh, he didn't ask me to be on it, and I was mildly upset. So shame on you! <laughs> shame. I hadn't yeah. understood Hat's depth of Pratchettness <laughs> at the time. It's true. We didn't know each other. We that haven't well just at the met. Time. No, fair true. enough. Um, well, we've known each other for about a year. But yeah. it, which is why I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have contemplated doing tonight without that. <laughs> yeah. Because you would never have spoken to me again, probably. 
Possibly now, which no, that would have been fair enough as well, right? Yeah. Too actually, no, you would have spoken to me loudly and at length about why I hadn't invited you on the podcast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true, <laughs> it's true. Oh, no, I would have deserved it. <laughs> also true. Okay, so thank you for, for 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 your time this evening. Um, I've really enjoyed the chat. Um, I wish we yeah, it's had been more brilliant. Time to talk more and we will make that time at some point in the future um i wish i'd been more articulate i won't be (laughs) (laughs) um so until then uh thank you very very much good night and uh, we will say goodbye goodbye yeah speak again Bye. Bye. bye Oh, on this subject, more than any other, there was so much more to say, but we are out of time. We will absolutely come back to this subject in the future. But for now, that's us. Full show notes are available at www.destinationvenus.co.uk. Click on the blog link at the top left-hand corner of the homepage and search for more Pratchett. Uh, It'll be right at the top. It's fine. You'll, You'll find it. Um, but that's us for now. We'll be back next week with more geekiness. Uh, until then, be kind to yourself. Be kind to everybody else. Stay safe. Stay geeky. We'll see you back here at the gates. Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeks at the gate or contact us on Twitter at geeks at the gates or contact us by email on mail for geeks at the gates at gmail.com that is the number four not the word geeks at the gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire <laughs>